you know that there are humans who have the ability to just go to a restaurant and order what's on the menu? <laughs> that is what new Facebook did. They just put everything, they hid everything away. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Cause there are hidden onions and there are needs. I can't have peppers. I don't want fucking potatoes and things there. I can't, I can't just be treated like other people, but also, but also I have to go to the bathroom. So yeah, go for it. Okay. Easier, Do we want to wait to start the show until you get back? I don't know. I why don't you warm up? Uh, you ready? Sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll be Go. right back. Hi, hi. Hello. Hi, Facebook. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. <laughs> uh, yeah. I guess I'll just talk about the Enlightened Couch Potato Podcast for a while. We haven't done this podcast in a a good little while here. I've been moving and a lot of other stuff going on. But this is a little passion project for Adrienne and I, because one day in conversation or over the course of a couple of years of being friends in conversation, we discovered that we both had a kind of unique approach to watching movies and TV that we shared. And that was based on the idea that most people think that watching movies and TV is like uh, a waste of time or an indulgence or something you do. It's like junk food. It's not good for you, uh, but you do it anyway because you can't help yourself. I think a lot of people have that perspective. I know I did for a long time. But the more that I have learned about the inner workings of the unconscious mind, the more I've studied archetypes and story structure and Joseph Campbell and how stories are the way that our mind thinks and they're a hugely powerful transformational tool. Great stories can change us in a way that direct communication often doesn't. And Movies and TV are arguably the most advanced form of storytelling that human beings have come up with so far. You can make an argument that video games may actually be a step further because they include you as an interactive participant in the storytelling. But movies and TV are like where music and painting or frame by frame and it's like theater and music all comes together into this multi hundred million dollar metaphor that you can if you learn how you can put yourself into a mindset where stories like this can influence you in a positive direction. And that's basically what we talk about here in the Enlightened Couch Potato Show. Uh, we talk about some of our tips and tricks and how we figured out how to do this. And largely, we sort of just share with each other our own journey through watching movies and TV. But it's such a gift to be able to let go of the guilt of watching the stuff that you love to watch. We live in a golden age of storytelling right now. And I love 
all the time that I spend watching movies and TV. And it's quite a lot, but I find it incredibly valuable. And I don't have that weird voice that's telling me I should be doing something else anymore when I do it. Weirdly, I actually find that I feel like I'm in a lot more control too. Like it feels less compulsive because I'm not resisting it. I'm, I'm enjoying it. And then I feel like I'm better at kind of setting boundaries around watching movies and TV. Have you found that to be true too? Yeah. Well, I, I, I definitely watch with a different perspective and it's been a very long time that I've felt any sort of guilt for watching. Mm. I've, I've had an awareness when I'm watching more than I had planned to, or mm. just more lately. My last few weeks, I've watched a lot of TV and with the awareness that I was, I'm, I'm like doing it because I just want to calm my mind from the other things going on. And I just yeah. decided to like pull back, slow down my world on purpose. Yeah. Uh, so I also know that I sit down ready and, and, and sometimes I have challenges picking the next thing I'm going to watch because I know that I want to get something of value. Now, certainly I could just pick anything and ask my unconscious mind, Hey, give me, you know, you know what I want right now. And and I've found in the last month or so, and even since like COVID world started a little bit higher level of stress and challenge picking a show because I know it's going to be important and it's going Mm. to help like part of, it's going to be part of the the metaphors I live with for a while and the time that mm. I spend. I'm like, oh, is it going to be good? Am I going to feel good? Is it going to be use, like a right. good use of my time? So it's taken me longer to pick what I want to watch. Yeah. And then because I don't have the same availability of friends and hugs and all that sort of thing in my life right now, sometimes it's really hard to let go of a show. And when oh, it's over, yeah. I'm just like, mm. Oh, I don't want to meet new people yet. <laughs> I'm not ready. I, I'm uh, still, I, I still feel a genuine sense of loss and grief around Firefly. Like I want to live yeah. in that world for more seasons. Damn it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, um, so I'm, I'm like, I'm thrilled that we at least get to, to share this philosophy with other people. Hopefully, hopefully those watching are like, Oh, I do know that when I've shared this as a as a guest speaker in a summit and I shared this strategy of watching television and allowing it to be transformational and then how the heck that works, a lot of people were like, yes, I thought I was weird. I watched that way or, oh, my gosh, it makes so much sense. And now they're watching differently. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of thrilled. We've got how many weeks? Three, four weeks? How long? Yeah, I said it's been a little intermittent lately for sure we both had some stuff going on i moved this is my new place yeah uh, i haven't given you the tour yet but i should at some point <laughs> uh, we are uh, we, I, I would say we're officially moved in as of sunday because that's when the maintenance guy finally came over to fix all the stuff that wasn't working that we discovered <laughs> when we moved in Shoot. like around half the power outlets didn't work and we didn't have a washer and dryer for like a week and a half because the dryer vent we couldn't fix it and the hookup for the washer was 
leaking and <laughs> there was a few other things but now that they came over and they fixed it and the landlords were cool about it now i'm like okay i think this is gonna work and we have a kick-ass new washer and dryer that sing a really pretty song whenever they're giving you a notification it what? it yeah, it has this little like cheery like da 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 and like every time we hear it, we're like, oh yay, the laundry's done. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty great, and it's wonderful to just have room. I mean, we had intermittently six people living in a two bedroom apartment <laughs> for a good portion of the quarantine where oh, wow. we weren't going anywhere and we were just, uh, it was, that's not tenable. <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds, that sounds awful. I am quite lucky to, I have two roommates, but they just, we barely see each other. Mm. We, we are in separate parts of the house. I feel like I live alone mostly, except for the times when sometimes I'm really, really hungry and someone's in the kitchen and people are, when I say that to humans, they're like, we'll just go in the kitchen. And I was like, well, so we're trying to be distanced from each other as much as possible, yeah. not breathing. But also my kitchen is this wide. So, um, and so am I. And (laughs) (laughs) it's not, you can't. No, that doesn't sound like a two-person kitchen at all. No, it's never been a two-person kitchen, no matter how helpful somebody wants to be. It's like, get get out. I'm, no, (sighs) claustrophobic. If I could be Spider-Man. Yeah. And and be on the ceiling. (laughs) Yeah. Get the fork. Okay, great. Um, I would, but that is not Spider-Man. That is not Spider-Man. I like Saul it. Saul Spider-Man. <laughs> I just like it better as as a probably yeah. Jewish name instead of Spider-Man. yeah, exactly <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> okay, so you want to talk about movies and stuff? Yeah. So I have two shows that I am pretty sure you've watched that I watched in the last three weeks, and one I think you haven't. Okay. So maybe I start with the more recent one that you haven't seen, and then we can talk about the others? I'll just tell you what they are. Sure. Okay, so I watched Cobra Kai a few weeks back. I watched the first season, but I haven't finished the second one. Oh. The plan was to finish it before the third one comes out. Sure. Uh, The Americans. Oh, you watched that? You watched the whole whole thing? I paused in season season six. I, I haven't seen the whole thing. I paused for reasons. Uh... I've so I was telling you earlier that um, I am now in adrenal fatigue, yeah, remedy lifestyle yeah. plan instead of I had been in hey, let's get fit and let's just utilize this time plan. And so, and I kept I kept like diligently like eating in a way where I could build muscle and lean out and I could like kill it. Um, but instead, uh, like my hair started thinning and uh, my I'm always dehydrated and I just kept going up and down the same three plant mm. pounds. And I'm like, what the fuck? And my body's mm. like, we're doing it. We're holding all the fat with the intensity that you are pushing for different results yeah. because we might have to leave. <laughs> and I'm like, you beast, you brilliant, like evolutionarily evolved beast of health yeah. and systems that i don't fucking align with right now i don't need i just want smaller pants yeah smaller pants so i can take (laughs) photos but when i'm on small that doesn't mean thin my hair and fuck so instead of that plan Mm. uh i'm on the plan of um calm see it's working so well right (laughs) 
calm and like restorative movement. Yeah, rest and, and rejuvenation. I have had so many naps. I've had all of the naps this week. Good. And waking up That's early fabulous. and walking. So I got to the parts in the Americans where one of the characters is exhausted. Mm. And I was like, I am too much in rapport with the show right now. And it's making me sad because I am, if I wasn't watching this, I would be falling asleep on the couch by myself. So I switched shows and it took me a while. Uh, I went through that stress of like watching bad trailers on Amazon for dumb movies and other things. And, and then I remembered that I'd seen this photo in Instagram. And so I reached out to my friend who sometimes just like gets, gets me access to shows. And he uploaded the show called gentleman Jack, which is an HBO and BBC production uh, based on the diaries of Ann Lister. And Ann Lister is pretty fascinating. Ann Lister is a land-owning woman, lesbian, although that wasn't a term back then, in the early 1800s. So she, she was a woman of means who traveled a lot. She, like, climbed mountains. She uh, got into the coal business. Uh, sh she's freaking brilliant, self-taught, got in, like, got in with a bunch of high society people and had a bunch of, like, scientists and... Um, medicine men like teacher so she's like looking over like cadavers and brains like she's crazy interesting and she's a diarist who had written she's a very kooky lady she'd written just in high levels of detail every moment of her life pretty much and the the torrid stuff the 11 or so affairs with women were all written in code uh, and her diaries are so detailed and fascinating. They had to figure out how to de like decode them. And they're like 22 volumes of somewhat that are now part of like some of the most important documents of like English uh, history. Also, she managed to have one of the first lesbian weddings because she and this woman, they went and they took sacrament in a church and they've like, they got a plaque there. Anyway, so this show is about this ridiculously fascinating woman. And, uh, and it's an interesting thing because like people of means get to have different access. And the thing that I love about this show, there are a couple things. I have never been so deeply aware in the best way of, of really good cinematography and music and like the choices working so well to elucidate a character or, or mm. a time as well as drop the viewer into the pace of the person. So here I am adrenal fatigue on the couch, kind of feeling sorry for myself. Cause it's not my first rodeo with like health challenges, right? Like, fuck um, this one's not my fault. It's, it's, it's external circumstances. Right. But I'm like, Ugh. and I'm, I leave one show of awesomeness, but I'm just too tired and they're too tired. And I'm like, I can't hang to this woman who just literally walks a different pace in the world. So this is someone mm. who just like walks everywhere, super athletic, walks like a man, but even freaks them out. So they like the camera work drops you into the speed and the sturdiness of this particular character. Wow. And I hate period pieces generally like who's the lady Jane. Jane Austen. Austin. I yeah. fucking hate that stuff because I hate that time period of floofy. Here's what right. women are supposed to do. But here you have a woman who's just a rebel right. in that time 
which makes it more badass and even more sexy because it's so against the stuff I hate about the time period. And one of the fun themes is this idea that most of us feel strange somehow, uh, strange or different or weird. It's the the secret truth of of everybody is that we all feel weirder than someone else. And just to like have, have this show be about someone who's like set apart and stranger than other people and still like going after what she wants and being true to herself in a particular way. It's fucking amazing. And sounds fantastic. The other thing that's like the acting, the acting is spectacular, like super believable, everybody, the choices. And so it's all like a really beautiful team working together. So you've got some of it, you dropped into the speed of Anne as she's wandering around the world. And then suddenly the next scene is just like pastoral, like the servants are out and they're just slower and they're doing their thing and everything fucking matches so well uh it just reminds me of precision and execution and what happens when you surround yourself with the right people Mm. and i'm ridiculously inspired by it i love it it sounds like you found exactly what you needed right now too god i think a lot of the the thing that i you can get from tv shows or movies is like like an energy or a flavor it's it's like you can use songs for a particular emotional state and it's like okay listen to this three minute song and it's gonna bring up a certain feeling for Mm -hmm. you if you let it yeah and it might feel different for different people but the way it makes you feel is what matters and sometimes a show is just like it's like going and getting to visit and spend time in a world that makes you feel a certain way. I mean, I think that's what people get a lot from superhero movies is the feeling of being empowered, of being able to overcome and uh, feel like you have more control than you might in your life. Yeah. Well, it's, and it's an interesting thing. And I'm, I don't think it's subtle. I mean, just me calling it out this, the, the ways that the, the camera and the shots you get in an action film, like, oh, we're making it right. intense. But in some ways, the cinematography is more intense than what's actually happening. And so there's they're kind of manipulating it. What's interesting is that it seems as though the cameras are doing a dance with the actors and just augmenting what's already there and bringing you into like, oh, my God the way that this camera is moving around this person's face is representing the internal emotion that is coming out of that person's face. And I'm just like, certainly people have accomplished this before, but I don't know that I've seen, I might be overselling it, but I don't know. Well, maybe you're just becoming more aware of it too. And maybe, maybe in this movie or show, because some of the themes are so personal to you, maybe that also helps like amplify it. That makes sense. I I watched a video recently. Oh, I would love to give him credit. Uh, Nope. (laughs) I'm not going to remember right now. His YouTube channels, his YouTube channels called collative learning, I believe is what it's called. And he does mostly movie analysis stuff, but he's, 
uh, fairly obviously trained in NLP and hypnosis from from just listening to him. Yeah, I've and I've actually corresponded with him a little bit, and I've confirmed that. Cool. So he has a book on his website too about his own philosophies on personal development and stuff. I bought it and read it, and it's good. He's really smart. So yeah. I love his perspective on movies and stuff, and he loves to analyze Kubrick, which I'm enormous fan. Um. <laughs> But he also he he's the guy who I first heard about how in The Shining, the hotel is actually constructed in ways that make it impossible. That, yeah. Have you heard about this? No. Oh. That there's like there's things where like you're walking down a hallway and the camera's panning this direction and you see a door yeah. on that wall and they're in a hallway and then it they come out of the hallway into an area and the camera pans around and on and you see the other side of that wall. And there's nowhere that that door goes <laughs> and you don't notice it consciously, right. but right. subliminally your brain is like, burr, burr. like, wait, <laughs> what? And it, it gives you this subliminal sense of unease. And he points out like tons of this stuff. Nice. So we did one on alien mm. and I, some of the stuff that he points out as far as like subliminal imagery and stuff, I don't know. It, it feels like he could be stretching or he's looking. Obviously, he's looking for it. But he said, like, you have to understand that there are filmmakers who put this much thought into it. So there's these all these different shots that he pointed out where the characters will walk through a doorway or an, uh, an archway or something. And if you turn the image on its side, it looks like teeth. <laughs> And it yeah. looks like two sets of teeth. Right. And so like, there's all these little things that you're like, no freaking way that somebody would like design, but somebody had to design the set to look exactly like that. And all the little things that look like teeth could have been pointing this way and they're not, they're pointing this way. So it looks like it's going to bite them as they're coming through. And it was like one of dozens of things that he pointed out that are all these little tricks to make you feel stuff that it's the invisible language of cinema oh my god that's amazing it's, I, it's awesome i loved it when you were telling me that it reminded me what i actually was what i actually watched because i think cobra cry was like way a long time ago the mo the three recent things i've watched are ratchet the the new oh Netflix yeah Ratch show based ratcheted is that it I think it's just Ratched. It's just oh, okay. Nurse Ratched. It's based on Nurse Ratched from yeah. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Next or something like that. Yeah, I had zero desire to watch that. As soon as I heard that it existed, I was like, I don't want to watch that. And I, I'm open to being persuaded. And my feeling on that is, uh, I don't know if I've shared this with you, but the closest thing to a phobia that I think <laughs> I've ever had is... Uh, some deep triggers around lobotomies. Yeah, that's funny. And there's something about the, like I, I, I went deep into this to try to heal it once where I actually went and looked up interviews with some of the last, I'm going to call them victims of lobotomy as a medical procedure. Yeah. And it just, it's like, I got why, like deep under the surface, why it triggered me so much. But that movie really bothered me the the one flew over the cuckoo's nest right. and so to to give that character depth 
and to be like, oh, here's how this person became like this. I'm like, mm, no, I I kind of want to hate her. <laughs> yeah. Well, my rec- I recognize that the, the three ratchet, the Americans and Gentleman Jack are all highly stylized um, shows. They're making really cool, deliberate choices to, to draw people in a world. And Ratchet is gloriously the 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 costume design stands out the set design stands out and i think for me what was most fascinating about trying to like like this origin story of this really terrifying character that we haven't visited in a really long time like cuckoo's nest was it early 80s 70s it's all old 70s 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 yeah so they're introducing this for that same generation, but also new generations of people who haven't seen it. There's a really weird cross-section of, of psychology because it's it's set at, at one of the heights of psychology. So the, the body of work that we're from, <laughs> that we utilize, is birthed in this sort of time period. Ugh. And what's interesting is for someone, we know this, for someone to become who she becomes there has to be trauma there right right hurt and people, they hurt people yeah well and then what's also fun is it's the anti-hero story which is always delightful unless you happen to already know that you have a phobia around this area but the anti-hero <laughs> story is supremely delightful because the the guess is can you sympathize mm with this person and right there the magical trick is they she's well that fascinating. actress is so good she's if anybody so good. could fucking pull it off like her tony collette <laughs> yes yes yeah and it's delightful it's uh it's a little disturbing but much like dexter but only with good acting right they drop us into wow totally get it and it's weirdly sexy unexpectedly sexy hmm. in places i did not see that coming well yeah i may give it a shot it's not high on my list i'll tell you that it's fascinating <laughs> cuz it does it drops you into the i think it's the 60s too so there's a lot there's a lot about dropping you into that time period yeah. in it reminds me a little of Wizard of Oz when the color comes on. And so it's in this like hyper color space. The music is like just a little edgy and interesting. Yeah, it sounds interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, I have a long list. I don't know which thing. How about I just list a bunch of things and you can tell me what you want to hear me talk about. Yeah. So lately I've been watching a ton of Archer. We went back through and watched from the beginning. I cool. love that show. I did. It did get a little slow in one season uh but i i don't think i got what they were doing the first time through and so i sort of got it this time and i was still like it's a little slow but then they picked it up with the next two seasons so we're yeah. we're finally up to i think we're almost caught up been watching the new season of the boys really enjoying that mm-hmm. uh let's see we watched Movies. I watched, we've been watching a lot of horror lately. So we watched uh, one of my all time favorite uh, HP Lovecraft homages called In the Mouth of Madness with, um, oh, Sam Neill 
from Jurassic Park and Event mm-hmm. Horizon. Uh, it, it's it's just a wonderful, like here's what it feels like to go insane. <laughs> kind of movie and it's it's very fun it's a little hokey at times for right. sure it's definitely not Guillermo del Toro's take on HP Lovecraft which I I still really want to see him do that I don't know if you've heard this story I don't know if you're that familiar with HP Lovecraft but he has a very famous mm-hmm. book called uh in the at the mountains of madness I believe is what it's called and in the okay. mouth of madness was an oh was definitely a homage to that but apparently Guillermo del Toro was going to make an adaptation big budget movie and then Ridley Scott made Prometheus which had a very similar basic plot structure yeah and they were like nope can't make it anymore uh which sucks because Prometheus was kind of garbage and I would have loved to have seen that so maybe one day he'll still get to make that yeah let's knock on his door yeah exactly and away and uh, what else? We watched a delightfully over-the-top and very disturbing f- kind of fun horror movie called Slither. <laughs> it's made by uh, James Gunn, who did Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's Nathan Fillion stars in it. And it's just, it's like structurally, it's a perfect horror monster movie. And you're just like, and it's got those moments where you're like, oh, God, and it's I don't like torture porn. I don't watch right. Saw or Hostel or any of that kind of crap. Uh, I'm interested in the story. And I like I mean, like The Thing is one of my all time favorite horror movies. And this has a lot of those like m- creature effects and stuff. That's so much fun. We watched. Uh, oh, boy. I know there's OK. Action movie. Did oh. we talk about Dread? Have you seen that movie? I don't think so. No. So comic book called judge dread right and there was a sylvester stallone movie that we shall not speak of <laughs> and then more recently is that that's the one made, is judge dread the one with the like the three seashells and the sex goggles no no that's actually demolition. a that that movie is actually pretty great demolition man give it a shot if you're watching this and you haven't seen demolition man or you haven't seen it in a long time that movie is like it's kind of prescient in certain ways. And like my, one of my favorite jokes in that thing is they take them out to a fancy restaurant or a fancy meal at Taco Bell because <laughs> Taco Bell is the only, it was the, the only surviving restaurant chain after the fast food wars. <laughs> and I'm just like, you can't drop a line like fast food wars and not describe them anymore. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. That I'm movie. still waiting for the sex goggles, although their trip seemed a little rough, but I, yeah. I think those are on the horizon. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. That <laughs> movie's great. Judge dread was horrible. <laughs> uh, except we did get the famous uh, Sylvester Stallone meme where he says, I am the law. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, <laughs> so so recently, 2017, maybe something like that, they made a movie with Carl Urban from The Boys okay. as the titular character, and it was just called Dread. <laughs> and they, hey, <laughs> I just wanted to say titular. How long have you been holding that? <laughs> what, what I was trying to do was say it and not draw attention to it. Thanks. <laughs> 
Sure. Okay, wait, let's go back. Rewind. Uh, so one of the key characteristics of that of that character uh, of Dread is he never takes off his helmet. And Sylvester Stallone was a big movie star, so of course they were going to show his face. And Carl Urban, being a, an actually committed actor, <laughs> was like, no, of course. we." Get, and it, 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 it's so good. Like, you love, like, well-structured action, right? Yeah, yeah. Watch it. It's awesome. Great female villain mm. uh, who's really just, like, uh, vicious and, and really fun to watch. Oh boy. I know I've seen other things. What else? <laughs> uh, we've been Is there anything else specifically. I probably have a list here. If you give me a second. I don't know. Did you have any like memories like arcs? And then From... like having you like, like shivers of whoa. Now I know my life better. <laughs> Well, I'm trying to think. Did we we talked about we talked about what dreams may come? That was a while ago. Did we talk about the game? I don't know. Have you ever seen that movie, Michael Douglas? Maybe it's been a while. I think I have. But... I don't think I can even describe the movie without spoiling it because it's quite twisty. Okay. Yeah. It's one of the more mind blowing twisty movies I've ever seen where you just go on this thing where you're like, by the end, you are as battered and confused as the main character. And then the end happens and you're just like, what is go? How are they going to resist? This is how the movie ends. And then it doesn't. And you, it's so good. It's very, I think it was hard to see coming. And like, that's good with a twist end. Nice. Okay. I might look Uh, into it. He was not. My favorite person ever. This is a good use of Michael Douglas. He's not my favorite actor either. Yeah. This is a good use of Michael Douglas. Uh, you, If you have not seen it, I don't want to say anything else about it, but trust okay. me, it's worth your time. Last night, actually, just occurred to me, speaking of twist endings, yeah, I introduced uh, Faye to The Usual Suspects. She'd never seen that. Nice. That moment, spoilers, yeah. That moment at the end of Usual Suspects when he is putting together what had happened and then Kevin Spacey, who it's still a little hard to not like way to ruin your whole fucking career for us, uh, dude, because <laughs> it's hard to like w- just watch him and not see Kevin Spacey now. Uh, but that moment when he's walking down the street and he's got the limp and they're just showing his feet and then it switches to where he doesn't have the limp. And that's the reveal. I think that is one of the great moments in cinematic history. That that where all, everything that's built up, it's actually kind of a stupid movie. If you <laughs> stop and think about it for like more than two seconds. Right. It's a lot like a Chris Nolan movie. I love Chris Nolan's movies and they do not stand up to scrutiny especially the batman movies like there's so much stuff in there where but but the thing about him is he's such a talented filmmaker that he can he can you miss it you don't notice it especially the first time through it's like a a magic trick where he's like look at this look at this and then then they move the thing and you you didn't notice that the thing just disappeared (laughs) so uh, uh usual suspect is a little bit like that yeah. In that if you really stop and think about it, why did he have to 
reference stuff in the room? Why couldn't he just make it all up completely? Like the guy wouldn't have put it together unless he had been saying stuff that he saw in the room. Um, but still, like first time through, when you want take somebody through that, that is. Uh, what are your What are your top twist ending movies? So I, mine oh is you got Sixth Sense, Fight Club. Uh, um, Usual Suspects, I think, is up there for me. I would definitely put the game on that list. I actually was kind of surprised at the end of The Village. I know that uh, uh, M. Night Shyamalan, I probably got that wrong. (laughs) Now I can't even say it without making it into a joke. (laughs) Uh, I think he's sort of become a joke. But and a lot of people hated that movie, but I I actually liked The Village. I thought yeah. that was pretty good. I don't know that I've seen a whole lot of twist ending movies. Uh, I did not. I did not call the ending of Sixth Sense. Although what's interesting is I think these days I do now have have more ability to predict things because that of radar. That. Yeah. Um, there was a movie that came out like a year or two after The Sixth Sense. It was called The Others. And it was with Nicole Kidman. And a lot of people really love this movie. I was in a movie theater watching the trailer for it. And I jokingly looked to all my friends and was like, they're all ghosts. That's the end. (laughs) And then we went and watched the movie like six months later. And I was like, God damn it. Like, that's not... Yeah, spoilers. Sorry, that we should put spoiler alert on this episode because we're spoiling a bunch of things. I yeah, know. yeah. Okay, can we talk about the Americans? Yeah, yeah. We I, so I didn't actually finish it. Uh, okay. I heard that, and I I don't mean to plant this, but I heard that it, they do not stick the landing very well, and okay. that there are some plot threads for some of the characters that don't get wrapped up in a satisfactory way, and I. I kind of lost interest near the beginning of the last season. And, and Liz and I just, I, we, we ate that series up before yeah. then it's it like the Ozark. It yes, is yes, yes, so yes, yes. hits that like we are a team and, and no matter what challenges that we face, we are going to figure this out. And I, I love that. And it's just yeah. this constant feeling of like, how are they going <gasps> to? Yeah, we should yeah. go rewind. So The Americans is a show about two Russian spies who were placed in the U.S., highly trained to be a married couple in the U.S. and still work for the KGB. Collect Somewhat based on a true story yes. or based on a true concept at least that there actually were sleeper agents mm-hmm. who came here had children and their own children did not know they were agents for the russian government that yes. really happened yeah so we drunkers like the first five seasons we we don't have to talk about the five seasons so what's fascinating about it is on one hand you've got there's a love story that happens because yeah. here's two highly trained. Okay. I always love 
I always love movies where the couple is well balanced in this in the sense that they can both save each other and they both yeah. are resourceful and they both respect each other because they're they're equally badass. They might have yeah. different ways that they're badass. Right. But so what's great is that like we're in this together, we take care of each other and they don't have to like they do look over their shoulder to make sure and whatever, but they know like he knows she's taken care of, she knows he's got it like that level of being in intense situations and then finding a way and and similar to like the mission impossibles where nothing ever goes as planned right and the agility that you've trained yourself into is the ability to deal with whatever is needed at the time so when i was watching this i already had planted in my mind whenever like years ago you were watching it and you were excited about it I'd already had that in my head. And then I also noticed here they are in the 80s needing to have a high level of uh, behavioral flexibility, high level of the ability to read other people, which is stuff that we're trained in, right? So I'm watching it from a hypnosis NLP perspective. But the other funny thing that's dropped in, so the characters, for some reason, whoever created this show, drop in this weird seminar oh this weird seminar that is est it's based on est yes that is an interesting thread throughout the show as well so they got est thrown in there and then they this daughter starts to be taken to a church so you've got est and you've got like christianity as interesting threads about how to guide one's life and i swear to you I spent so much time yelling at the child, like yelling at the TV at this child who strangely is raised by these two. The parents. daughter. The daughter. Yes. She yes. somehow in the 80s has she's decided that her life is so weird and hard and horrible, but she has no clue what her parents have been through in their lives. And I'm like. Obviously, at some level, they can't necessarily like give their lived experience. Like I grew up, I grew up with my own personal traumas in my family, but I was also raised by somebody who had a highly traumatic life. So like I get to own my trauma and I'm just lucky that I'm just like a hundred explosions less awful was my childhood than my mother's. Uh, Mm. And so she wins. And that's also a problem. But this kid having no emotional resiliency, having no sense of responsibility, I just wanted to throttle her through the TV. So fascinating. But that dynamic is also the complex dynamic between like Russia and the and the US. And it's like like the themes and metaphors yes. in the show were fantastic. My favorite part though is that their cinematic thematic world choice was to make it as most realistic as possible because there's not like a filter no uh and because it's the 80s shit takes longer and they don't rush any of that Mm. like like a lot of things will montage the shit out of the detailed spy work which is just waiting around and suddenly getting a phone call and walking to a thing and and then no, and I like something that part of it not working out and then we're just not talking about it because shit just like well we're not on that anymore like 
the slowness of this show was fucking delicious. Yes. <sighs> that's one of my, that's one of the things I loved. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen the show. Yeah. Um, there was something you said earlier that made me think of, I had something to share and now <laughs> I can't. Yeah. Well, the other thing I'm thinking is they do so much in this show. I mean, it's, it's a slower, it's a slow burn kind of show and they do so much with silence and glances and um, non-verbal communication that's really tricky yeah. if you suck at acting or if the, you're not the, capturing the moment. The two leads are fucking phenomenal. Like I, I watched that show and was like, these are some of this is some of the best acting and the, the chemistry between the two of them. They're mm-hmm. actually a couple, right? I think that's the case. I think that's part of the reason why. <laughs> and and it may have happened. During the show, I can't remember. Oh, that would make so much The, sense. the chemistry is so good that it really makes me think you have to have that. You almost have to have that. Not that you have to have that kind of intimacy, yeah. but it helps. Um, I remember the comment I was going to make before. Yeah. There's a screenwriting principle that when one of the characters doesn't know something that the audience does know there's an instantaneous and automatic tension yeah because you're looking at it and going oh but they don't know but i know but they don't know (laughs) and this show is nothing but that like every interaction is a uh, this person's lying about this to this person and they're hiding this from this other person and the fbi and the relationship with that girlfriend who he ends up marrying i think like god damn it's so multi-layered and 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 the i do think the foundation of shit like this really happened maybe not this exactly maybe yeah, not every single yeah. thing in here but shit like this really happened and then it just makes you go well you think it's not happening <laughs> now <laughs> like you think now. they yeah. probably have figured out how to be better at this stuff like you think we're not doing this yeah no <laughs> like, i just kept thinking god this would be so much easier if they could just text each other right now yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's the thing. I'm like, mm, I remember rotary phones and the thing. And oh. I, I remember somebody commenting that if you watch old sitcoms like Friends or uh, uh, Seinfeld, that every almost every single plot line is broken by cell phones because yes. every plot line is one person leaves and then another person shows up and goes where is so and so oh they just left you just missed them and like every single story breaks down and like no wait there i'll be there in five minutes oh okay and then there's no drama anymore <laughs> yeah speaking of the like ploys for drama so cell phones crack that one the other thing that i kept wanting to like ah and it's not just the show lately apparently there are humans okay there's there's a whole list of things i complain about i don't understand this one's short do people really just look at themselves in mirrors or talk to themselves in mirrors or have so many fucking mirrors in their life that in order to like reveal their inner works, they have to like stare at a mirror and have some revelation or something. I don't fucking think that happens as much as it happens in TV shows. Certainly not as much, but I do think some people do it. Sure. Okay. So the other thing is 
do people really just yell out awful things and then leave the fucking room or are people yelling and leaving the middle of the conversations because they watch it and see it on tv like so many things could just be resolved if you stick around another fucking five minutes for people to explain the thing that happened from their own perspective instead of the thing you just made up and are blaming them for and i'm just like fuck sake stay in the room stay sit down well but Adrienne, the problem then is that people would actually resolve their conflicts and you're not supposed to do that in stories, (laughs) not till the end. (laughs) My fear is that people might think that it's appropriate to just leave and not resolve stuff. Absolutely. I I think that there's there is like relationships are a perfect example. Mm -hmm. You don't have movies name fucking one movie or tv show where the point of the story is that this couple has an amazing relationship and they get along super great and they support each other and they love each other and they work through their conflicts yeah, uh, easily well. and quickly there's uh, that that doesn't exist because <laughs> what we need to make the story compelling is drama and that, that always requires somebody being stupid <laughs> like yeah. somebody has to be like well i'm not going to forgive that person and like yeah but if you want to have a good relationship you both have to be quick and ready to forgive yeah and that's not yeah, good television <laughs> humans humans who have been raised watching only right. these relationships. Right. We have no models. How they fucking work. And and we keep waiting for the like the, the magical tension of the blah 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 and like drop in and you find your one or whatever because of the romance of yep. like you know what would be sexy? People fighting well and then deepening their love because they allowed their conflict to 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 uh engage in more connection you know the one place where i would say you see more of that is Mm -hmm. stories where that's not the point it's not a romance it's Mm -hmm. not about the relationship there is a relationship in it but the story is a science fiction story for example because there are some like there's some good examples ish (laughs) of relationships in uh uh farscape the the sci-fi show that we love so much there's some relationships there where they have conflict and then they go away and they come back and they work through it and they are closer because right. of that. But the 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 deal there is it's not about the relationship. If it's about the relationship, there needs to be drama and conflict, which means the relationship can't be perfect or even healthy enough to work through things quickly. Otherwise, it would be like, hey, what you said just hurt my feelings. Oh, I'm really sorry about that. What do I need to do to make this better? <laughs> oh, well, having this conversation helps. Um, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then it's yeah. over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think if anything is primed to be able to do it, to actually show us a good example of people fighting, loving in a particular way that's actually useful and health health-filled, would be television because it's the only form where you can spend time uh, with people. I don't know. I think I was, I was saying that like Xena warrior princess is sort of close because they had a lot of conflict and what it looks like to have a relationship evolve and goals change, but they still, are they still, you know, renegotiating how the structure of that partnership is. Well, this gets a little bit into my conversation and frustration about there being no good star Trek for, for, 
like decades at this mm-hmm. point because the thing that Gene Roddenberry was so adamant about, particularly in Next Generation, was that the drama and conflict was never allowed to be in the crew or the team. It was always supposed to be something outside, that a challenge outside that they are facing together. And the team cohesiveness, it's like he wanted to say, we figured this shit out. Like we figured out how to work together. We figured out money. We don't do money anymore. We figured out like we did. We've as a as a civilization, we've dedicated ourselves to um, scientific progress and exploration and art and um, helping other improve the lives of everyone. Uh, and he would not let it be about jealousy or about uh, interpersonal stuff. So I think we need more of those shows, frankly. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to whoever comes up with the next hmm. I know it's challenging to have the kind of creativity where you can envision a world that doesn't have our history. Hmm. Um I know that the producers of the 100 were striving towards creating a different different paradigms and and doing a bigger much like the good place was was set up around ph- philosophy and wanting to present an amazingly entertaining f- philosophy course right i think the 100 was working towards that of this future mm. world and and people showing things from different people's perspectives recognizing that everybody like comes and they're doing the best they can with their their resources that's cool and there's a lot of stuff that's just not there, like the pretense of who people are attracted to, that's not there. But fuck's sake, like I'm I'm waiting for humans having open conversations and showing up open-minded with their heart, or it doesn't have to be humans, beings showing up to each other, or like just because someone has boobs and a stranger shows up, they're not going to rape that person. That would be ridiculous. Like, wouldn't that be great? Who like why we can't imagine a future or 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 beings that just wouldn't just rape things and exploit stuff? I don't know. Like I think I'm ready for someone to create some sort of show that that is from a whole fucking different world. I don't think we've done it. I think that a lot of that is it's about the monetary system of movies and tv and it, the the system sucks in a lot of ways because it won't foster and support art that doesn't fit a certain very narrow band of commercial appeal and right. if you just have people who who have the money who have a worldview that apocalypse sells like that's the thing that makes people buy stuff and of yeah. a, a beautiful future utopia does not uh, <laughs> there was an episode, one episode yeah. of a show called Stargate SG-1 that I, I watched religiously for a while. And uh, there was an episode where they ran into a group of humans on another planet that didn't have the Dark Ages. Okay. Um, and and specifically, they made a big point about religion and the problem that religion paid uh, played. And they their civilization had started at the same time as ours, but they were eight hundred years ahead of us yes. <laughs> yes. because they hadn't had the dark ages. And I remember one line in particular where they were one of the characters was uh, the the 
the earthling characters was a quantum physicist and was explaining quantum physics to them. And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, we we kind of moved past that about 300 years ago. And they were <laughs> and I remember she said, like, the line was you licked quantum physics. <laughs> that has always stuck in my head of like running into a civilization. That's like, yeah, yeah. Quantum physics. That was a pretty good explanation for things, but actually that's not really how it works. We found a better model that's past that. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. I love yeah. it. Uh, I do remember that the world in her was pretty like kind of fun. If you remember I that? Get, I, yeah, I get, it was positive. I felt like there was a there was a kind of weird, uh, almost black mirror dystopian thing that was that was hinted at, like just the loneliness of everything. Uh, fair. But then it was saying, like technology might actually help with this. Uh, which it, there, I've been listening to a podcast lately with a guy named Lex Friedman, who's a AI researcher, PhD. Uh, very young, but he has a podcast where he interviews really smart people. He works at MIT, so he has access to a lot of things. So he was interviewing this woman about her and like they were talking about the the movie and they were talking about she works on that kind of stuff. She works on AI therapy, like mm. they're working on creating artificial intelligent therapy uh, companions and things. And she is one of the cutting edge thinkers in that. And uh, she was talking about how she was like, uh, I think it's so funny that her and ex machina came out <laughs> within <laughs> fairly. Did you see ex machina? I don't think I have. No, those are a perfect movie night. Like if you're going to do a double feature, watch yeah. her and ex machina and be like, here's the two outcomes <laughs> for <Yeah>. AI. <laughs> And uh, uh, it, yeah, it's very, we, uh, we definitely do have a distrust that I think is founded in there. Mm-hmm. And the reason why artificial intelligence is not going anywhere, like we can't put this genie back in the bottle <clears throat> be, is because it, it, it simultaneously has the power to destroy all of us, the potential to destroy all of us, but it also has the potential to do literally anything you can imagine. Like it, yeah. it, it, it is the thing that could unlock everything for us. And at the same time, it's incredibly dangerous. And, uh, you know, Pandora's box certainly is an apt analogy. Yeah, I... I'm hoping that what might happen is that the people who create it may actually put it on and then have an experience that accidentally reteaches them empathy. There, there are mm. studies that showcase like people's at levels of power get distanced because they can't relate to people any longer because mm. it's just nobody's at their their level. So it, it, it kicks in a little like sociopathy. But like, uh, couldn't it be interesting if if putting on AI? I don't know. I'm just thinking of, like. I don't know whether there are enough benevolent people with resources that are creating this stuff. Mm. Uh, I want to have the, I want to have the faith that they're going to make like therapy and all these other, like, and those things are going to get funded and come out first. I would love for that to happen. Um, First. (laughs) 
I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the weapons version. Sex robots. That's uh, what's going to happen first. <laughs> why Why would you need the... Wait, do you need the robot to interact with the virtual? Like, are you wearing a thing? And like, because if you've got the... If you've got the image, do you actually? Have well, I, I I suppose virtual orgy is fine. <laughs> like like I'm saying, like when when the the point at which virtual reality becomes indistinguishable enough from reality, it doesn't even have to be completely indistinguishable. But the point when it becomes indistinguishable enough, I am still holding out the possibility that we may lose like an entire generation of children that are not born because there are people who will just go, uh, this reality that I'm living in here is so much better than this reality. And there would, there will almost be an exodus from reality into virtual reality. And, uh, I'm not saying that's good or bad necessarily. Uh, I am saying I don't. I don't really see how that could not happen. Well, if uh, we all could be guided back gently by Julianne Moore, then then it'll be okay. I'm trying to refer to the the Joe. Moore? What's the, the that's the movie? Joseph Gordon-Levitt is in this movie where the guys he's like addicted to porn. I think it was something like Joe, Joe or like Joe yeah. something. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't see it. So, so at the end of the movie, uh, Julianne Spoilers Moore again. <laughs> is, is uh, you know, just kind of like a 40 year old hippie esque lady. That's just like, you know what? Bush is exists. Hair is there and people smell and shit's going on. And that's what's fascinating. And look, this tension and connection and nah, 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 that it's the good stuff. So if we all have uh, just a, a band of Julianne Moore types um, during that. Situation. Yeah. But the, what if there is an even smarter Julianne Moore in the virtual space <laughs> and she has hair and smells like <laughs> there, there comes a point when the only difference between the reality reality and the virtual reality is your knowledge that one of them is real and one of them is not. Right. And it's also not predictable. Right. Hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. It's, it, it, there are some very deep philosophical holes you start stumbling down as soon as you start talking about things like AI and, or very quickly after you start talking about AI and virtual reality that you yeah. start getting down into matrix NLP. Like, are we in a simulation right now? How do you know you're not? And yeah. 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 I don't know. I'm more for it though. Uh, in the yeah. last yeah. than I ever was before. I'm uh, my, my perspective is always that I am, uh, like agnostically optimistic in the sense that I think there's, I, I'm like, there's probably like a 90% chance that we're going to make it because I think humans are resilient and like, we don't want uh, everyone to die for the most part. So I think we're going to try to figure it out. And I believe in human ingenuity and even global warming as, mm-hmm. as difficult as that might be. I think we will find solutions to deal yeah. with it and overcome it or even potentially reverse it. Uh, but I think there's a 10% chance we'll absolutely wipe out everybody. I don't really see a lot in the middle. Like, I think we're going to get to utopia or we're going to die trying. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, I guess so. 
I, I don't know. Maybe there maybe there is just a never ending mediocrity <laughs> that like goes out into the future four hundred years and, and yeah. everybody's still miserable but in different ways. Uh, there is know. the version I, I, where the choice is to just be like terrified of everything and not pursue it. Yeah. Think think about this. Like when it comes to stuff like let's just say trauma, right? In the last 10 to 20 years, the amount of real scientific breakthroughs in the realm of healing trauma is, it's it's incredible. And we've really gotten to the point now uh, that we know that everybody's traumatized Mm-hmm. And we know how big a deal it is and we know how to fix it. Yeah. Like there are predictable ways to go in and heal these things. It takes work. It's not easy, but you can do it. Totally. The biggest challenge right now is there's still a misconception that only people who are broken need therapy. Yes. And if, if these ideas, if more and more people start being like, one person's struggling so much they go get help and then it actually works and they come back and the people around them are like, wow, that actually worked. That happens again and again and again and again. And more and more the, the idea that therapy is a good idea is becoming uh, commonplace and more people talk about it. It's becoming normalized. I see that as one of the biggest hopes. Psychedelic research, that's a huge one for me too, personally, is that I think the the way, the actual research on things like MDMA and psilocybin to help people to break down trauma and to break down old uh, entrenched patterns of thinking and belief systems, that stuff gives me a lot of hope. That stuff makes me think you, we could see a mass movement of real improvement in people. Absolutely. I've been geeking out on um, aging research, lifespan stuff. Yeah. And and that's coming pretty soon. Yeah. Aubrey de Grey. Age... Have you, do you know who that is? Hmm? Aubrey de Grey. He's like, Maybe. he's like, we will cure death. That's his big thing. And he's like, maybe not in my lifetime, but maybe in your kid's lifetime. Yeah. The idea (laughs) that aging is a disease and then the underlying disease of all disease. And if we actually put our money into that, then we don't have to be worrying about cancer and heart disease and all these other things. I I think his I think the the timeline for that is probably optimistic. But the science when when really smart people lay this out and they're like, listen, there are no problems here that from a physics standpoint are impossible to solve. We don't have the technology to solve a lot of these problems, but there's no fundamental reason why they couldn't be solved at some point as technology continues to improve. Yet again, one of the reasons why AI could mean everything because AI could literally be the ticket to immortality potentially. Fascinating. Yeah. Wow. We got off on a little bit of a tangent here and it's also been over an hour. So maybe we should wrap up the show. (laughs) Okie dokie. Welcome to the Align Couch Potato Show. I'm Adrienne Gunn. This has been Nicholas and now we're done. (laughs) (laughs) Can we have that be the end every time? (laughs) And now we're done. Click. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Thanks for coming to the show, everybody. (laughs) Bye-bye. Perfect. (laughs)